Half Bad Productions presents Magda, a Night Faces original story. Episode 2, Vanishing Birds You ready for bed, Timmy? Yes, Mama. Alright, honey, it's time for bed. Give me a kiss. David. David, David, what's that smell? Do you smell that? Do you smell that? It smells like smoke. Mm-hmm. Wake up! Sal, Wisconsin, 1960. How does the time pass so quickly without a care for those within it? Wesal had changed. It was the town built in the shadow of a ghost, a solitary sighting of the mother of forgiveness, the woman of ultimate innocence, and they drank from her until there was nothing left. Once, long before, West Sal was a bustling logging community that shipped oak, elm, basswood, and birch down the river. And then it turned to manufacturing, and then a great fire swept in, catching each home with its sleeping prayers, and it turned them to ash. The sounds of flames are screams. The town was rebuilt, the souls of the lost displaced, headstones with nothing beneath them. But at the base of the highest bluff, they raked the coals into soil and turned six acres on the river into a town again. The village was surrounded by the state's largest wetland, a haven for creatures to nest, to migrate, to birth, to hide. Not long before the miracle of 1954, there was another fire. It came in the night and it took the bank and the grocery store and most of the homes on Main Street. This fire howled into the air too, pulling its victims upward toward the sky, turning their pain to embers until their skin rained back down into the ground again. West Sal's soil was fertile. 
it was full of death, of the whispers of lives half-lived, taken too soon. And that soil turned to farms, and the town a small farming community. There was a large mansion built in the 1800s that survived all of the carnage, and it stood tall, a beacon, its presence an ironic reminder of what once was a booming village. When Patricia Daly and Billy Cole saw the Virgin Mary on the hill that Sunday afternoon, everything changed. 100,000 visitors came to the town to view the site, to drink the holy water. 30,000 of them stayed and became pilgrims of the shrine. The town was no longer a once was of wood or fire or farm. It was the town of the light, of hope, of her. It was sacred. There was a shrine and a school and a convent. There was a committee, the Holy Martyrs, who promoted the apparition and spread the gospel. And new visitors, believers, came by bus every Sunday. Magda, get up. It's already half past nine. I'm up, Mama. Bed made? Have you said your prayers, the rosary? Of course, always, Magda replied. Magda's mother looked her up and down. She was not a little girl anymore, and her shape mostly offended her, as similar as it was to hers. A little too full in the chest, her lips a natural hue of over-ripened berry. Tie your hair back. Magda quickly gathered her black curls at the base of her neck and tied them in a ribbon. Should I go now then? She asked her mother. Yes, unless you'd like to be late. The buses arrive at 10 this morning and you'll need to take another stack of pamphlets. I've got them, Mama. We'll go then. Magda's mother snapped as she opened the screen door and pushed Magda onto the porch. The cooling air of the end of summer was most obvious in the morning. It was crisp before the lingering hot air would strangle it dead, and it fell over Magda's cheeks as she skipped down the stairs and ran toward the road, past the cornfields, changing hue, as she headed toward the shrine to greet the Sunday crowds. They were in a field, but it wasn't the same as when Billy and Patricia first climbed the hill. Now there was an amphitheater at the top, right beneath the opening of the clouds. There were large wooden benches and statues of the Virgin Mary, with scenes of the sighting behind glass, so that when you walked around it, you could see the story of the miracle, in case you couldn't feel it. Magda watched as the visitors slid from the bus. She looked to the windows, eagerly waiting to spot him, when she felt his arm slide around her waist. Good morning, you. Magda quickly turned around. Finn, where did you come from? I took the early morning bus. I planned something special for us. Magda smiled. Vincent had come from the city. His parents were skeptic believers, of which there were many. But Vincent returned week after week and had his parents convinced that West Sal was, in fact, the site of a miracle, although not the one it was famous for. Vincent saw magic the moment he set eyes on her, on Magda, she was standing in the rain, waving waterlogged pamphlets around as the lightning cracked in the clouds behind her, turning her green eyes electric. He would have fallen to his knees and prayed to her then if she would have let him. 
Instead, they spent weeks quietly losing their way from the tour groups and sneaking off into the woods. The woods that Magda had come to know. At first, as a young girl, they were so jarring. When she stepped into them, a different world awaited her. Her every sense was consumed by the smell of pine and sap and dirt. The way the wind moved between the trees and sparred with the branches created a tumultuous series of increasing wails above her as the crackling of leaves and pine needles beneath her warned of her every step. Everything was on the verge of dying, and everything was being born too. To be in a place of such resurgence, this was the place of prophecy. This was the place she could come to understand the afterlife. She had learned, not in a church or at a shrine, but in the forest, feeling the earth's first and last breaths together as one. At the edge of the trees, a mouth opened to wetland, bogs. There was a grassy spot there where they could watch the cranes bend and move in the water, their long legs holding them above the muck. They were a dying breed. But here, tucked away, they were safe. When Magda first took Vincent there, it was for that very same reason. And they laid on the land and kissed. The vanishing birds there only witnessed. It was the first kiss Magda had from anyone, even her mother, since she left Jean so long ago. Vincent's touch held all she was missing, both the love of family and the urge of lust. He was the comfort of home, and he was the thrill of running away. Now, they were in love. What do you have planned, you foolish boy? I can only be here for an hour. Oh, how I long for the day when I can have you for more than an hour. Vincent smirked as he grabbed Magda's hand and headed toward the woods. Me too, said Magda, as she followed behind him. And the time played a trick again. Vincent had planned a picnic in the spot in the woods along the bank of the swamp. An hour turned to an afternoon, as they fell asleep at the edge of the sun setting, the unison calls of the cranes lulling them to slumber. It was a false sense of safety, but that was all Magda knew. Life with her mother was always an illusion of security, of refuge. What a parent is supposed to be, a sanctuary of the same skin, of likeness and love. But Magda always felt like a rodent, who had made a nest, who had found warmth next to the rat poison. When they woke, it was the middle of the night. Vincent had missed his bus back home, and Magda was sure that her mother would now wage war against her and her sins. They knew that they only had this moment together before it would all begin, before it would all end. Vincent leaned over Magda, gently pulling her neck toward him and kissing her skin. Magda closed her eyes first and then opened them to the moon and let the energy flood her body. She pulled more and more toward them as they peeled away their clothes. The sounds of the birds had turned to hum and now the crickets and the frogs began. An orchestra of the ancient lake bed, of the glacier that carved the land long ago, long before they ever existed. Magda placed her hand against Vincent's cheek. She brushed the soft stubble growing at the corners, and she whispered, I love you, Vin. I love you too, Magda. I love you more than anything, 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 anything.
going to get right into it. We are seeing less and less believers on the buses every Sunday. There are fewer than a hundred a week right now. We need to be vigilant, steadfast in our Lord, our sacred miracle. The Lord commands us to speak out, to spread his gospel, and we are failing to make believers. Skeptics, what we have are skeptics. I have seen the looks, heard the whispers at the miracle's holy spot, at our shrine. We must not allow this. Good evening, pilgrims. Sorry for this intrusion. Laura, a word? One moment, martyrs. We'll resume in a moment. Blessed evening, Father. Yes, yes it is. What's wrong, Father? It's Patricia. Yes, I heard she went into labor early this morning. Is everything all right? No. No, it's not. The bleeding took her home to our Heavenly Father. (gasps) Oh, my. Oh, her children and Billy. Bless them. And the baby? Listen, Laura. Billy isn't in a godly place now. With her passing and the baby, he's, he's not thinking clearly. He's not speaking clearly. What do you mean? Last night, I received word that the diocese has condemned the sighting. (gasps) No! Yes. The church will not recognize the miracle. But you listen to me, Laura. No one is to know about this. The church is often very slow to approve an apparition. And they had planned to conduct medical tests, mental clarity tests on Patricia and Billy. Well, we can't have that now, can we? Patricia's gone. Billy is not of sound mind anymore. I see. But we cannot go against the church, Father. I am the church, Laura. I am. And you are part of that. We have turned this hat down into a holy place. And it is the devil that hides in sheep's clothing. And, and that might very well be the cloth itself. Oh, I... I don't know. We are the miracle. We are the town. We are the martyrs of Mary. We drink from the innocent, from her. We are her. We are her. Say it with me, Laura. We are her. We are her. We are her. Magda woke in the grass the wind gently moving the hair over her face, the soft morning sun giving a tender nudge to her body. She rolled over. Vin, we better get back. Vin? Vincent? Magda looked around and Vincent wasn't there. The morning was calm, the woods at peace, but she felt a shock of terror move through her. There were no buses that would come today. He would have had to phone his mother and father somewhere in town. But he wouldn't have left her. Magda's mind was racing. He wouldn't have left her. Magda searched the forest, calling out to him. She looked to the swamp, a meadow of reeds, 
and the birds were gone. It was quiet and still. What normally moved with ever-present life, what swayed with the wind, had turned submissive, and it was wrong. Something was wrong. Magda kneeled at the edge and peered into the water. She thought for a moment to pray. But instead she reached out and touched her reflection. And right as she did, the water rippled and then turned to black, to mud. It was dark sludge, and she tried to pull her hand away, but she couldn't. It held her there. Magda had felt this before. This dread, this rage, this evil. She remembered the cornfield. She remembered her vision in the woods all those years ago. She shook her head violently to escape. She closed her eyes, willing herself to wake from the nightmare. When she opened them, she saw a single blue butterfly fluttering in the darkness. She tried to touch it, but the mud kept her still. And then she heard thunder boom from behind her. Lightning stroked between the clouds, and a hard rain fell down. And the butterfly sank into the mud, into the bog turned black, dying. Magda heard cries far off in the distance. And she knew at once it was him. It was Vincent. She heard footsteps all around her, heavy breathing, the sounds of the forest panting in panic. And then finally, as the butterfly disappeared into the swamp, she heard his voice in her ear. I love you more than anything. And her vision turned to red, and then to the light, and the day returned. Magda stood, shaking. Her eyes welled and then poured over, spilling out across her cheeks. She reached up and touched the wetness with her hands, and then they turned to fists, and her heart turned cold. Her love was missing, and she was going to find him. Thank you.